I'm Madison Donor, a recovering journalist. And I'm Dion Broxton. I'm still a journalist, and you might know me for this. Oh, no, I ain't messing with you. Oh, no. We created this podcast because we wanted to show you how this dream job can sometimes turn into a nightmare. The TV news industry needs to be more accepting. They say they want to be diverse. Well, accept people who are diverse for who they are. Thanks for joining us today. We have a, another special guest with us on the podcast today. We have Brianna Collins. Brianna, introduce yourself for us. Hi, thank you so much, Deanna Madison, for having me. My name is Brianna Collins. I was a reporter and in the news industry for about seven years. I've stepped away now, taken a bit of a little bit uh, of a break. So now I work in marketing and communications in Chicago, my hometown. Before we even jump into it, what is the craziest thing that's ever happened to you while being a reporter? And don't answer it yet. Wait, we'll have the answer at the end. You're, you're now home. You're now doing a totally different career than you had planned. How'd you get into communications in, outside of the TV world? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I think for a, a lot of people, myself included, the pandemic just really changed everything. Um, it really took a toll on me, reporting on that every day, anchoring every day, um, being away from my family. I was only two hours away from my family, but I couldn't be physically close to them, even when it was safe to do so and be outside. And it just really changed my perspective on a lot of things as well. I just felt like life is too short. I'm seeing people every day dying who had things that they planned to do in their life. And I started to think that missing holidays, missing special occasions, working weekends, working evenings, I don't know if I want this anymore. Or I, I want a break from it. So I started looking for jobs outside of TV news. Um, I thought I was going to move to Los Angeles. That's my dream city where I've always wanted to live. But just like I never thought I'd be leaving news um, and things don't always work out the way that we expect them to, I ended up not moving to LA. And my family was like, well, move home. You said you wanted to be close to family and here for family events. So move home. Um, so I did. I started looking for jobs in Chicago. And I actually have my undergrad degree in communications. So I had a little bit of communications experience as far as PR and marketing. And um, I just applied to a marketing communications position with City Colleges of Chicago. And I felt like I would be able to do the work there as well as learn a lot about the marketing communications industry. And that job worked out. So I have been employed with them since January, 2022. Wow, that just is awesome. Through? what you do with them? Oh, um, I actually stepped into a new role, but when I was a marketing communications manager for about the past year and a half, I was essentially a liaison. So if you're not familiar with City Colleges of Chicago, there um, it's actually a network of community colleges made up of seven schools. So it was my job to be the liaison to three of those schools. Um, I met with them bi-weekly. I learned about what their goals were for the school. Um, I learned about what their marketing needs were, different programs, um, just kind of met with them to meet those needs. And then I wrote copies. So if they had money for advertising, I wrote copy for their ads, uh, for flyers that they needed, maybe um, helped promote different events that the colleges had going on. I just stepped into a new role, still in the marketing communications department at City Colleges. Now I'm a content manager. So I'll be using a little bit more of those journalism skills, writing longer form stories, working on bigger projects for the entire um, college district. And the part that I really love is still getting to interview students and talk to people. And so it really reminds me of being a journalist. So every day I get to talk to students and alum 
just about their journey, how they got to city colleges, what are they doing now, um, different obstacles they had to overcome. So still getting to use those interview skills. And, and I love that hearing their stories. Would you say it's as, as, as exciting as being a journalist? No, not at all. Honestly, no. Um, I really struggled with that transition from being a journalist to working a quote unquote regular job. Um, I sit at a desk all day and, and I did do that a lot when I anchored, you know, just kind of sit at the station and, and I didn't like that. I miss going out in the field, uh, being busy all day. But this was really different. I would finish an assignment in 20 minutes, an hour, and be like, it's done. And they're like, oh, you, you had two weeks to work on that. You, you didn't need to rush. But I'm so used to being deadline driven in the news industry and being like, you know, we've, we've got deadlines to meet. We've got a five, a six, a 10 to get this done. We need this done today. Um, and so it is nice to have a little bit more time. Sometimes it just uh, provokes the procrastinator in me because I'm like, I got time <laughs> to do this. Um, but it it was a difficult adjustment. Not not as exciting, not as fast paced, different, um, but still okay. Yeah, it is, it, it is a difficult adjustment. I've been having the adjustment for the past 10 months now um, yeah. because I stepped out of journalism now and I'm in a, um, a marketing role. And so <laughs> they'll be like, oh, you have here, can you work on this? And I'm like, yeah. And then like, I'm like, oh wait, I didn't have to do that all in one day, did I? Mm -hmm. Like it's that deadline because yeah. you're so deadline driven, but also being right. deadline driven is also a reason why so many people are leaving the industry because it puts mm -hmm. so much stress on us. And, Absolutely. and it makes your stories not fulfilling anymore. It makes your work mm -hmm. not fulfilling anymore. So I guess my question for you is, are you feeling like you're filling that journalistic void that some people feel like they're losing in the industry, or if they get out of the industry, they're going to lose themselves too? Oh, absolutely not. And that's a really great question. And to be completely transparent with you both, I really struggled with that for months after leaving TV news. Um, and I've always been, not always, I shouldn't say always, but I'm no stranger to therapy. I was in therapy when I was in TV news, but that was something I really had to work with my therapist on was I was having an identity crisis. And I always said, um, you know, I kind of made fun of those people who are just like, oh, being a, a TV news anchor, reporters, their whole personality, they have no life outside of that. I could leave today and I would just still be Brianna. And then I walked away and was like, wait, who am I? I'm not making a difference. I'm not important. People don't care about me. And I think maybe more than we want to admit, some of us really get wrapped up in the celebrity or the importance or people recognize me in the store. And I, I can tell I'm making a difference. People know who I am. And then you go into this life of anonymity and you're like, oh, well, nobody recognized me. And at first that feels nice. But then you're like, well, maybe nobody cares what I'm doing. Do I care what I'm doing? Do I feel like what I'm doing is important? I'm not making a difference. I'm not able to see every day how I'm impacting my community and people's lives. And wow, I have no purpose. And it really, it really was something that I struggled with for months. And for me, I had to find fulfillment outside of work because for six, seven years, work was my fulfillment. I could tell every single day, you know, we were getting that constant feedback, whether positive or negative from social media and emails. The likes, and the comments, calling in. Yes, letters. Saying, oh, thank you. This was helpful. Or, you know, oh, we, we didn't like how you do this. You should do this. And, um, you know, that was no longer pouring in. And so I had to find that fulfillment, that sense of importance that sense of being connected to something bigger than myself in a community 
outside of work. And so for me, that was an adjustment. Um, and I, I still sometimes struggle with feeling like my job, I, I'm, I'm not really making that much of a difference. I feel like I, and so I, for me, I feel like TV news is, or at least news in general, I'm, I'm not giving it up completely. I'm keeping that door open, but for now I just needed a break from that lifestyle. You said you look for fulfillment outside mm -hmm. of work. Where do you find it outside of work? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, my family and friends are extremely important to me. So for me, it's spending more time with them that I wasn't able to do um, when I lived in cities further away from them. So that's getting together with friends weekly. That's getting together with my parents who live 30 minutes away um, weekly for dinners. That's doing what I want to do after work and knowing, wow, no one's going to call me or text me and say, oh, we've got breaking news. Um, and so I've been finding different hobbies, different classes, spending more time with my dog, reading books, um, both fiction and nonfiction that I enjoy and that will help um, help with my self-development. And so I think, I think I had to find it outside of there, going back to church, um, just reconnecting with myself, um, and there's still a, a lot that things. I do want to do as well. Yeah, yeah, that I want to do as well to find that fulfillment. But um, it, it just looks different these days. So I'll say that we've talked to, we've done a couple of interviews now, and you're the first person who said, I want to leave that door open. So I'm still in the industry, and I think we all have thoughts about what would I do. Well, while you're in it, we all have thoughts, what would I do outside of it, and will I miss it? And I still love journalism very much. I love the impact that I make. And, you know, you see it firsthand, you get the feedback. And I, I know I would miss that if I ever got out of the industry. What is it like struggling with that? I don't know if struggle is the right word to use, but you're considering it. Just talk about what that feels like. Yeah. So initially when I left the TV news industry, I felt like I gave up on myself. I felt like I gave up on viewers. I felt like I gave up on people who believed in me, were rooting for me, were watching my career. I felt like I had given up on those who had mentored me, taught me, past instructors, past older journalists that I worked with. And so I, I felt this sense of guilt of like, you wanted this for years and then you got it and you gave up. Um, and sometimes you got to know when to give up. You have to know when to quit. People say never quit, but sometimes you have to. It's, it's the healthiest thing. Um, but I started to think, too, and do an analysis of what were the things that I liked about the industry and what were the things that I disliked. And for me, I really liked talking to people every day and asking them questions. I'm just naturally a curious person. I love to ask people questions and learn about them. And I really do think everyone has a story. And so I, I really miss that. That is one thing that I think would draw me back. Um, and, and I say that I would go back to a job under certain conditions. Editing was never something that I loved to do. So I'm like, if I have an editor, great. I will tell them my vision for the story and, and you can do that. If I could just go out and do the interviews, um, that'd be great. I, I would totally do that. And I think there were a lot of um, maybe politics or bureaucracy of, of the industry or office politics that really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, some issues with past management. Um, I've not had really previously positive experiences with that. And so I think if the conditions are right, um, if I work with a team that I feel like really wants to work hard and tells great stories and we have the resources to do so, and 
I'm able to be compensated fairly for that, I, I would go back in a heartbeat. We talked about this in our prep call, but we talked about it just now, how the management office, office politics played a lot into when you were a journalist and, you know, your day-to-day life at work. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the struggles you might have dealt with um, in some of the markets that you were working in as a woman of color? And can you uh, give us all the markets you worked in? And I guess you said you wanted to go to L.A. Just give us that vision of when you know you wanted to be a journalist and then take us through that journey of each station you were at. Sure. So I always knew that I wanted to be a writer, but I wasn't sure what capacity. When I was a child, I thought I wanted to be an author because I loved to write. I was that weird kid that was like, oh, yes, we get to write a paper. For I'm so excited to write this paper um, or present this project in front of the class. I was always the one to raise my hand first. And it wasn't until high school um, I started writing for the high school newspaper and loved it. But I was also a part of the dance team. And so we had this, I guess you would call it a broadcast. It was like a student run broadcast every Wednesday that we would do at my high school. And so as part of the dance team, I went on the broadcast and just talked about, hey, we're the dance team. We're having a bake sale to raise money for, I think it was new uniforms or something like that. And here are all the details. And I had one of my teachers come up to me afterwards and he was like, oh, were you reading off a teleprompter or anything? I said, no, I was just talking off the top of my head. It's like, you are so comfortable and so natural. You should consider a career in TV news. And that was the first time anybody had ever said that to me. And that was the first time I ever considered that. I was about 16 years old. And so I thought about it. Um, And then the college I went to for undergrad, they didn't specifically have like a broadcast journalism program. You just kind of could go into communications with a focus on journalism and I told my instructor, you know, okay, well, since we don't have broadcast journalism, I'll I'll just focus on print journalism. He was like, you know, you have the face and the personality for TV journalism. And he was the second person that suggested that to me. And from then on, at, at 18 years old, I was sold. That's what I wanted to do. So I went to college in Mobile, Alabama. I did my internship at the Fox affiliate WALA Fox 10 in Mobile, Alabama. And it actually took a little bit more than a year after graduating from my first TV position. And I did um, get a job at WIFR in Rockford, Illinois. And that was about 90 minutes from my hometown of Chicago. And I started as a morning show producer, actually. I applied for a 5 p.m. producer job, but they went with someone who on paper had more experience than me. Um, And she actually, she and I ended up switching roles, but I'll I'll get to that story in a second. And so I I just took what I could get. I said, I want to get my foot in the door. I would go to bed at 4 p.m. I would wake up at 1230 a.m. I would get to work at 1 a.m. I'd be the first one in the station answering phone calls and checking emails, getting the breaking news in for the morning show. And that'd be done by 930 a.m. So I did that for about six months. Absolutely hated the schedule, but I said, this is what you wanted. You got your foot in the door. I would stay late and learn how different newscasts work. I would come in on my days off and shadow reporters and learn how to use the equipment, learn how to edit, um, anchor practice. And so um, when a reporter left, my news director came up to me and was like, hey, so we have an opening. I know you've been interested. Um, Show me what you have. And so I had things to show him and I knew how to do the job already. And so I stepped into that role. Um, I actually moved into the 5 p.m. producer role. That was the one that I had previously applied for um, because the 
young lady in that role wasn't working out. So we switched. And then um, after about five to six months of that, that's when I stepped into that reporter role. And I quickly became weekend anchor. They needed somebody to anchor weekends. So I was like, yes, I'll do that. I just became the yes person for everything because I was young and hungry and wanted to learn how to do everything. And um, then the main anchor who had been there for 10 years said that she was leaving. She was going to a TV station in Milwaukee. And I was super sad that she was leaving, but excited for her. And they were bringing all of these outside candidates to interview. And someone asked me, like, oh, are you interested in that? And I was like, oh, they would never choose me. I have I have a year and some change of experience. Um, there's no way they would consider me for that role. And then one day um, after a series of interviews, my news director pulled me into his office and was like, would you like this role? And I just remember being shell-shocked. Like, I, uh, two years ago, nobody wanted to hire me. I've been here for less than a year and a half, and you're asking me, do I want a main anchor role? Like, of course, of course I want it. Um, and so that was just really a huge blessing, a huge learning opportunity. Imposter syndrome sort of slipped in because I felt like there were so many other qualified people that could have been in that role. Um, but here I am doing it, uh, making it work, making a lot of mistakes, but learning a lot. And I was with my TV station, the CBS affiliate, WIFR in Rockford for three years. And then um, I did kind of have a have an issue with, with the, the larger corporation, Gray. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but yeah. they have this rule about driving and you cannot get a certain amount of speeding ticket or else you cannot drive a company car. And I was not the best driver. I was in my early to mid-20s driving from Chicago to Rockford um, and would just be flying down I-90 trying to get home. And I got a lot of speeding tickets. And so um, when I was looking to go to my next station, it was also a gray station. And that's where they discovered I had more than the allotted number of speeding tickets. And so I got the job offer. It was actually in Madison, Wisconsin, rescinded. Um, and that was devastating. But then I got pulled into my news director's office with the GM and they were like, hey, you have too many speeding tickets to drive a company car. Um, so you can no longer be in your main anchor role, even though I never drove a company car. And they were like, you could um, we could give you your old producer position back. And I was like, that feels like a demotion to me. And they're like, well, think about it very carefully. I was like, I I've thought about this. I'm betting on myself. I, I quit. Um, this is my resignation. I cannot do the job that you all have given me. And you want me to go back to being a producer, which no shade to producers. This is no shade to producers at all. It was just what I knew I didn't want to do. And I felt like I had worked hard to get to where I wanted to be. Um, and so I, I just walked away. And so I, I had no other jobs lined up for two months. Good for I you. I just have to say good for you for knowing, knowing your worth Thank and you. like standing up. Yeah. Good for you. And, and I want to interject here. Why didn't, the, if you're an anchor, you don't have to drive. Have to drive. Yeah. And most of the times the anchors mm -hmm. ride with photographers anyway, yeah. if you have to go to a scene. Did they you get the most special treatment. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Did you make that case to them? I did. And they were like, oh, well, it's company policy. We can't do anything about it because technically it is part of your job description that you will be able to drive a company car if need be. And I was like, well, that's fair. I mean, I never drive the car, but okay. All right. <laughs> this is where we're going. This is where I, we're going with this. I don't think I've ever seen an anchor drive a work car without a photographer driving it yeah. for them. 
In yeah, my I can count experience. the times on one hand that I drove a, a company car as an anchor. It was very I, few. I will have to say, though, um, when I was first looking for jo uh, jobs, I was applying all over the place, Grace and Claire all over. And um, I winded up getting a few interviews with Sinclair, got a little bit further in the um, interview process, worked out to be my first job in TV in Montana. Um, our news director was, he did the background check and he told me, he said, hey, just a heads up, you have a few points on your license. If you get, you know, one more ticket or so-and-so points, um, you won't be able to drive the news cars. And mm -hmm. so that was going into the job. I at least had an idea, but they didn't resend the offer. I just knew, okay, mm -hmm. you're going to drive from New York to Montana. Don't get another ticket. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But that is, it is a rule. Like I have heard of it yeah. at other stations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I work for Gray, and um, I do know some. I know at least one person who had a couple driving issues, and it resulted in that person not being able to drive the vehicle. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've heard this before, but um, never heard of someone getting their offer rescinded though. Yeah, or I, yeah, I think what's normal is the person just can't drive if they're yeah. already if they're already employed with the mm -hmm. company. Absolutely. Um, but it does, I know it does hinder you trying to find another job because mm -hmm. I guess all TV stations do background checks. Yeah. I, I think I'm a pretty good driver because I never had any speeding tickets. Mm -hmm. Don't jinx yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. Keep it up. Keep it up. Because I absolutely learned the hard way. Um, and that was something that I never knew going into looking for TV jobs. And and I did kind of go through those channels of I got, got a lawyer and some of my older tickets I was able to get taken off because um, I knew that would be an issue looking for future jobs. But um, thankfully, after those two months, I was able to find another main anchor role um, and make more money than I was making previously. So I was extremely grateful. And that was in Champaign, Illinois. So it's about two hours south from Chicago. It's a college town where the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign is. And um, I was there for three years and that was that was my last market. So just just had those two um, six years even. But um, yeah, it's it's been a journey for sure. For sure. I, I had struggles with management at both. Um, I will say at my station in Rockford, um, I wanted to wear braids. I started to see more and more um, black women on TV experimenting more with their hair, wearing it less traditionally straight or styles that you would I guess normally, quote unquote, see on um, women. What what year was this? Just like this was twenty. Let's say I left there in twenty eighteen. So this was like twenty seventeen. I think twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Um, I was wanting to just do something different with my hair. I felt like uh, my natural hair was breaking off because I kept doing like weaves and wigs and. I just wanted to leave my hair alone and do nothing to it. And I remember asking my news director after seeing somebody on the CBS National, I don't remember who it was, but it was on in the newsroom and she had twists or braids. And I was like, oh, I love that. Could I do that? And she like made a face. I remember that. I was like, I don't think so. And I just was like, okay, all right. Um, you know, and I was still new, didn't want to rock the waters too much in the industry, wanted to be respectful of my news director and knowing that I couldn't make huge changes to my appearance without approval, um, which was something that never really struck me as a, I didn't like that. I didn't like that rule. Um, yeah. It's always so at the bottom. It's always at the bottom of the contract. Yeah. It's always, yeah, you know, 
we can change your appearance once you start blah 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 and you always like I remember seeing that in my first contract and I was like they're not gonna do that like no Mm -hmm. it's okay and thankfully I never ran into that issue like I cut my hair short one day and Mm -hmm. it was like oh that's different or anything like that but I have heard of like people going to a station they're like we need to dye your hair Mm -hmm. um so it's it's out there it's in the industry but to hear also in 2017 like they don't want you doing braids and you talked about seeing this person on cbs national Mm -hmm. do you feel and this is how i feel but do you feel that where you are in the country depends on what the climate is like because me being from the east coast i feel like the east coast is so much more progressive when it comes to Mm -hmm. hairstyles and different mm-hmm. races and equality if you will. yeah but i've lived in montana and now i live in the midwest and i feel like it is just 30 years behind the east coast mm-hmm. and the yeah. west coast yeah i i absolutely do i think it, it has to do a lot with management but also where you are living in the country and sometimes management feels like um, they don't understand and then they'll feel like oh well our viewers won't understand they won't like it it's too whatever um it's not mainstream it's not normal and so then that you get that pushback so i definitely agree as far as tv market chicago was always my goal since high school and i said you know i'm just gonna work my way up i'm gonna work my way up until all of a sudden i i just didn't want it anymore um and i felt like it wasn't it wasn't worth it but that was what i wanted was to be an anchor in my hometown i saw other people getting to do that and i just thought how cool would that be to be able to do your dream career in the city where you grew up and have people who know you and love you watching you on TV and you're making a difference in the community that where you were raised. So absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a lot of people's dreams when they get into mm-hmm. the industry. And I, I want to just backtrack um, a little bit. So you were in Rockford, correct? When um, you wanted to, you know, change up your appearance a little bit and mm-hmm. were told no. So when you went to Champaign, did you, try and look at that as another opportunity to, you know, do what you wanted to. Mm -hmm. I did. I did. And actually it wasn't anything that passively I was trying to do, or even was in the forefront of my mind. I just kind of said, well, I tried once it didn't work out. Okay. Just, just don't, don't rock the boat too early being here. And there was actually another young woman and I'm going to have to look up her name because I see her face. I sometimes forget her name, but she was my motivation for the reason why I decided to wear braids on air. She was working for Sinclair Station at the time. I was also working for Sinclair Station in Champaign. And um, I want to say the Today Show did just a write-up on her and how she was breaking stereotypes in TV news and she was wearing braids on air and... um, Yeah, I was like, wow, well, if she can do it, then I can do it as well. So I brought the article to my news director and was like, hey, her name is AJ Walker. AJ Walker, I always want to give her her props because she was the one who um, motivated me. And I was like, well, she works for Sinclair Station. I wear Sinclair. Can I do this too? And my news director didn't shoot it down. She's like, oh, I really like this. This should be fine. I'll talk to, you know, the GM about it and, um, you know, we'll, we'll let you know. The fact that I had to be run up the flagpole, I didn't like, but I was like, you know, this is further than I got last time. Okay. Um, And I got the green light and I did it and didn't even really think that it was going to be this huge deal. I was just like, I 
am lazy. I don't like to do my hair. This is going to cut out 30, 45 minutes getting ready for work. Can't wait. Just going to have to wash it, you know, every so often. And then we, there we go on with our day. But, um, it just became this big thing. I had one of my coworkers take pictures in the newsroom and on set, and I just posted them on social media and just, it went viral. And I got so many likes and shares and had different news organizations reach out and people reach out saying that they were happy that they saw someone who looks like them who was wearing their hair in a natural style. And so the conversation just became so much bigger than myself and so much bigger than, wow, you're lazy. You just don't want to do your hair to you're actually making a difference and you're inspiring others. And I saw so many other women reporters um, of color, Black women starting to wear braids and twists and even men wearing locks and, and how they wanted to wear their hair on TV and and even people, non-people of color on TV saying, you know, I used to straighten my hair all the time because they told me I couldn't wear my curly hair on air. I'm going to stop straightening my hair. I'm going to wear my hair curly or I'm going to get that haircut that I never thought I could get. And just seeing people be their authentic selves at work, just, just through something as simple as hair, because I don't feel like your hair hinders your ability to do your job. If you change your hair, you're not changing your talent. And so to me, I think just the TV news industry needs to be more accepting. They say they want to be diverse. Well, accept people who are diverse for who they are, especially if it's not taking away from their ability or their talent to do the job. Absolutely. I have chills. I don't know if it's my AC, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's that story. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. I wanted to go back to, uh, you know, wanting to be in a bigger market. You, you're an, you were an anchor. And yeah. we all know that the path, the climbing, climbing the ladder as an anchor is a lot harder than climbing the ladder as a reporter. Did you ever consider getting to Chicago as a reporter, maybe slash anchor versus just anchor? Because, you know, those people never, those primetime anchors, they never, say they never long, leave, uh, never they leave. die at the desk. Yeah, they do. They do. Those people that are still on, you know, the ABC, the CBS in Chicago, I watched them when I was four or five years old watching the news with my grandmother like they're, they're you, not going you, anywhere you get that job you're not letting go no not, and I don't blame them but um, I did Dion yes to answer your question I did consider that and I was very open to it any new market that I applied to I was not above being a reporter um and some people were like well if you're an anchor you stay an anchor you don't apply to reporter roles but to me I just felt like that was being flexible a and b I liked being a reporter um, I really liked going out and speaking to people. Yes, it was a lot more challenging. You really felt like you were working for that paycheck every day, where some days being an anchor, I was like, I'm kind of bored. Like, does anybody need anything? I'm just reading scripts and waiting for breaking news. But um, absolutely, I was I was totally open to that. And like I said before, I'm still open. You know, they, it, I don't know the future and I'm not going to say I'm never going back. And that may be a way that I do go back as, as a reporter in a, in a larger market. Besides, you know, hair being um, something that you struggled with as a woman of color in the industry, um, is there anything else that really stood out to you while working in the industry that you also think news needs to make a difference in or they need to change you know <laughs> I, i've got maybe a, a, a more <laughs> trivial answer to that and then maybe a, a deeper answer to that i think my more trivial answer was there would sometimes be um services like hair services that were offered to the reporters and there would be trades like hey we give them advertisement and 
our reporters or anchors can go get their hair done at this salon or whatever. And oftentimes I would call the salon and they didn't have a hairstylist of color or someone who knew how to do people of color's hair. And so I'd be like, okay, well, what can you compensate? I'd go back to management and be like, well, what can you compensate me for? Because they can't, everyone else can get their hair done for free, but they don't know how to do my hair. And it was just something that they didn't think about. Um, and it's a, it does sort of come off as a way of othering people you don't feel included, like your coworkers can go and that's great for them, but how come I don't get that same service offered or you didn't even think about, let's find a service that can serve all of our employees. Um, so that's probably my more trivial answer. I think a little bit um, as a deeper answer, sometimes I'd be the only woman of color um, in the newsroom or only black woman in the newsroom and there would be stories that I would pitch sometimes and people would say, oh, people are going to be angry if we do that story, or oh, I don't sure. think people would understand that story. And I'm like, it is literally our job to make, if we're not making people angry, we're not doing our job. We're not going to make everyone happy. Um, and long story short, there was a situation when I was working in Rockford where there was a traffic stop, a white police officer pulled over a black man, and in, they both ended up dead. And we still fully don't really know what happened um, at that traffic stop. And um, there was a church where both of them died in front of that had a Black Lives Matter sign even before this accident. And so they took the Black Lives Matter sign down because the church was saying a lot of the police officers and police officers' wives were like, oh, this is disrespectful to have this up considering what happened. And I wanted to know why. I, that was my story. It was like, well, why don't we talk to the church and figure out why did they take it down? Then they put it back up. Like, what what's going on here? And I remember my white male co-anchor going, oh, that's going to make people mad. We shouldn't do that story. I was like, well, I, I want to know. Why, why would we not do that story? And so sometimes just having your perspective or your ideas dismissed and they weren't all, you know, ideas that I pitched because I was a black woman. Just sometimes as a woman, I felt like I would say something and then nobody would listen. And then five minutes later, someone else would say it, a man. And they're like, yeah, that's a good idea. And I'm yes. literally just, like, yes. okay, fine. Um, so sometimes there were those challenges and also feeling like I had to be on point with what I said, what I did, my fact checking, my looks on air. And there would sometimes be um, a man who could just roll up onto the desk and just do whatever. And he was fine, but I mispronounced one word and there were the angry emails and this, that, and she's stupid. And so it can be a little bit harder sometimes, whether you're a person of color, a woman, um, just in other on TV news, it, it can be a little bit more of a challenge. You're looked at a lot more closely, you're scrutinized. And were you able to do that story with the Black Lives Matter? I was. I was able to do it. And it was a story that I was most proud of. I ended up doing it as a sweep story um, and got the church. The pastor really didn't want to talk. I was able to convince him to talk. Wow. Um, and then I got a Black Lives Matter activist to speak to me as well. And then a woman who was um, in opposition that the sign was up in the first place and, and didn't didn't like it and was glad that it came down. So I was able to get all my elements for that story. And I really liked the way it came together, even though there were challenges within the station, like the promotion team didn't want to do a promotion for it. They were just like, oh, we feel like this is too controversial. They kept trying to push the story back. People in the comments on Facebook were like, oh, no, I'm not going to watch that at all. And, and that was fine. That was their, their right. But I was glad that I didn't let all those barriers stop me and let people tell me no, because I, I thought it was an important story. And it was a conversation lots of people in town were having. So I didn't yeah. see why we wouldn't do a story on it. 
And I think context is needed a lot of the times for these stories. You reminded me of a time I was in a small town in Man it's called Manhattan, Montana. Mm -hmm. And um I did a story with um uh, the police chief. I think they I think the the police chief was one of four officers for the mm -hmm. entire town and they needed to wow. recruit officers. Mm -hmm. And um when the interview was over, he had a uh the American flag with the blue line through it. Mm -hmm. And I think he was from Wisconsin. I'll never forget that. I think he was from Wisconsin. And uh, when the interview was over, he said, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. He said, what do you think of that flag? And I gave him my honest answer. I said, I know that this flag was popular before all the Black Lives Matter stuff happened. I understand that, you know, you've always had this flag and it's a sign of respect and solidarity with police officers. The problem with Black people, when Black Lives Matter sprung up, this flag was used in opposition to Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter. So I understand the context around it. I know, I believe you as a police officer, you're not saying Black Lives don't matter. You're, sh you're showing solidarity for your profession. The problem is when you see counter protests and this flag is being held and for me, that was a really good conversation for us. And, you know, I think we both respected each other because I'm a journalist. He's a police officer. He knows that, you know, we have difficult jobs. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wish that, you know, just regular citizens can have that same level of respect and not be so quick to dismiss uh, others. Mm -hmm. So I, I hope that that story you did, you know, got people from both sides of the aisle to understand you know, the context around it. And on a lighter note, <laughs> so if you can give us the craziest thing that has ever happened to you in news, it can be on air, off air, someone sitting into your DMs talking wild, whatever you think is a, a funny story or crazy story to share. I, I wanted to end on a positive and funny one. So that's that's what I'll end on. Um, and it was actually relayed to me through a coworker, one of my producers when I was working in Rockford. She called me on a Friday evening and um, she was like, hey, a viewer just called here looking for you. And I'm like, okay, um, is everything okay? And she said, yeah, he had a message for you. And I said, all right, what is it? And she goes, he said, and I wrote it down so I didn't get it wrong. She said that he called and said, if Prince were still alive, you would be his wife. And I just took that as like the strangest but nicest compliment. I was like, that's so bizarre. But Prince, he was with beautiful women and accomplished women and he was amazing. So I'll, I'll, I'll pick that bizarre compliment. And I still think about that to this day. I'm like, I hope that person is well, because that is the strangest but nicest compliment maybe that I've ever gotten from a viewer. Should have called him back. I know. I was like, did you get their number? Because I, I need that confidence boost every day. <laughs> Whenever I'm out in the field in St. Louis, not even just every station I've been at, I always get guys who say, like, tell so-and-so what's up. And mm -hmm. one guy, oh, this is a funny story. One guy, this was actually a couple months ago, one guy had asked me about an anchor, an anchor slash reporter, mm -hmm. And he was like, where is she from? And I told him, like, how tall is she? Oh, I was like, God. all right, man, you, you asking a little too many like crazy questions. He was like, right. give, give, her, give her my number for me. I'm just like, man, you got to 
I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> Coming on too strong. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe and rate us on whatever platform you're listening to. And of course, visit us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube and come back every Wednesday for a new episode.